It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Stolich and I am. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Is Pepper ready? Who's behind you right now? She's <laughs> ready. She's lurking behind me at this moment in time. And you're in a rocking chair, so really, sure. Her it's whole not life... totally comfortable. She's like leaning up against me with her. She's like a 75 pound dog, so she's putting her weight against me, trying to shift me out of the way because she doesn't like where I'm located. Allison, Katie Bolilla. So she likes that window, which is what she wants. She, there's, sometimes there's flies on it that she likes, and she likes to look around. I'm being jostled. I see that. This is going to end badly <laughs> with wires involved. Katie Bo Lillis, who's the intelligence and national security uh, reporter for CNN, former The Hill, Defense One, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. She reports. Are you ready for this, Allison? She reports that among the assistance Russia requested of China was prepackaged, non-perishable military food kits known as, in the U.S. as Meals Ready to Eat, or MREs, according to two familiar... Sources with the matter. <clears throat> she says, the request underscores the basic logistical challenges that military analysts and officials have been, um, have said, have sty- stymied Russian progress in Ukraine and raises questions about the fundamental readiness of the Russian military. One of the sources suggested that food might be re- a request that China would be willing to meet because it stops short of lethal assistance that would be seen as deeply provocative by the West. And of course, because we're all jerks, this guy Christian Vanderbroek, you know who that is? Yes. Urban Achiever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He works for the Bulwark. He's been a big Never Trump dude for a long time. Okay. But here he went and we found the Reddit Reddit reviews of Chinese MREs. Some of the reviews are not good. The quality control is flat out dangerous. Another one says undercooked and dry. Another one says don't buy them unless you either really want to play Russian roulette with your GI tract or if you want to support an oppressive genocidal regime. So, um, I would say, Alice, that this is... 
this is an amusing for us a um, very good sign. If the Russians, Alice, have run out of food, that is no bueno for that army. Hungry armies don't tend to stick together too long. True. True. And and Russia has been having problems with stuff like this for a while, with just these simple logistical things like keeping food coming toward to, no. to the, you, to, <laughs> to the you army, there, you know, having the correct vehicles. Oh, and Thank you, Pepper. Thank you. Good time. It, they have problems with this, with getting the stuff to the places that it needs to go. It's a problem for them. They're not good at it. Um, and I think... Th- I think that we knew that. I think that the situation is more dire for the Russian troops than, you know, people generally expected it to be going into this whole thing. However, that being said, I think that um, the, the, the Russians are really good at, like, powering through small things like starving your troops to death and having a lot of deserters and having a lot of people get killed. I mean, it, historically, and- they've been good at, back in the, the dark times. But, I mean, these people, these people in in Russia now, a lot of these troops like have modern conveniences, like creature comforts, like, uh, I mean, not just <clears throat> food, but these are people who, they weren't attacked, you know? Right. And so I think it's a very good sign. I understand that, that Putin's willing and the Russians are willing to let the military. Yeah, mostly Putin is willing to right. keep sending young Russian men to go die in Ukraine over nothing. However, um, I mean, I think you're right that there is more awareness now among people that like there's other options besides just dying in a meat grinder for powerful people mm-hmm. who don't care about you. And um and, you know, people don't like that. Like, ironically, I think I think that is more damaging to Putin and his war effort um, than, like, the sanctions and the other stuff we're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I think that McDonald's pulling out of the country is not as serious a problem for the Russian people as, like, Putin keeps sending us to go die in a place with no food and, like, not enough weapons where people just want to kill us and there's no reason for us to be there at all. You know, there's... there's, I I think that there's a lot of cynicism about it uh, in Russia. I mean, I certainly knew formerly Soviet immigrants in the United States growing up that, like, wouldn't go back to Russia because because they'd be conscripted if they went back, you know, and they didn't want to go there. And, you know, they were raised like mostly in the United States because of things like that. At that time, it was more Georgia where they were afraid they were going to get sent or Chechnya Mm -hmm. for to die over territorial aspirations uh, of the Russian government. But, you know, people don't generally enjoy doing that. And nowadays, people, I think, are a little more cynical about it than maybe they were in the past. Although, I think a lot of the... uh, I don't know how much people really change, and people have certainly done this in the past, you know? Right. Okay. And here's a little bit of Jen Saki answering some various questions today. I'm trying to understand why you are trying your endgame in Ukraine. You you are not going there. You are not sending troops there. There there will be no no, no flight zone over Ukraine. And are you, will it be a fair assessment to say that you are pushing these guys to commit suicide, knowing that Russia has a superpower and eventually it will uh, capture the main cities, Kiev and 
Kharkiv and all the cities around there? What's the end game? Well, the end game is really a question for President Putin. We have, we have completely crushed his economy. Uh, we have provided military assistance, humanitarian assistance to the Ukrainians, enabling them to fight back for far longer uh, than the Russian leadership uh, anticipated. Uh, and again, he has to uh, he has to determine what the path forward looks for like for him. Thanks, everyone. That's a crappy answer because the end game is how do we? What is our desire for how this uh, how this rolls out? Well, right, because the problem is, is that, yes, the Ukrainian people have been able to fight back longer and harder and made this more difficult for Putin than it probably would have been otherwise. That being said, you know, depending how this ends up, it could end up that it would have been better if Putin had rolled over the whole country in three days and it had been done. Right. You know, I, I think that there is a possibility that that wasn't the worst possible outcome here. Right. And an extended horrific war with you know, war crimes going on, maybe on multiple sides, who knows, that lasts for months and months and it, it ends who knows where is not necessarily better than like Putin just taking the place over. So if we're going to extend the conflict, I mean, because she's essentially saying we've extended the conflict, we've made it longer, right. there's more fighting than there would have been otherwise, right? So that better mean that you have an end game if you're talking about how great it is that you've extended the conflict. The end game needs to be Putin butts out of Ukraine. Right, that's, right? And that's that the answer to, to the question. The the, right, a long drawn out uh, war means the destruction of every single city block, of every single city right. and town. Um, <laughs> it will mean undoubtedly many more brutal war crimes and the the destruction you'd, you'd set back the country to to 1931 or whatever of course and and the more you draw this out you know the P putin's logistical problems are making this difficult with the russian army not being prepared to really do this logistically but you know it doesn't mean they won't keep throwing people and guns at it and they can do that for a long time mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> First of all, it was good to see that I was listening to the commentary podcast today and they essentially did what we did last night, which was, um, uh, first of all, draw questions about, uh, you know, why nobody was covering or we didn't care that the Iranians had attacked the American consulate. So that's to one side. But but they brought up a good point. Pod Hortz brought up a good point. We can't arm we are we are scared to arm the polish in a certain way and we don't want we're afraid to to, to uh give armaments here here and there to this and that whatever uh which tells you you know it would have been nice back when we were saying that the russians were going to go into ukraine about a year ago would have been nice had we just flown a whole bunch of planes in then mm -hmm. but nobody did but but they do make a good point like why does why do we allow Belarus to do everything it wants? How come we can't threaten Belarus the way the Russians can threaten us? Right. Why can't we put the screws to Belarus? I mean, we can. I think there's a lack of imagination in this in this situation. We I mean, Belarus be is basically a client Russian state. Mm -hmm. That's how I like to say it. Uh, right, I, but I understand that. I understand that. But I mean, wouldn't you try to sow discord in every corner of Putin's life? 
Why would you? Of course. You would. If you right. wanted to do anything at all, it depends. But, right, but I think ultimately you're right about the logistical problems is that is going to hurt Putin more with being able to keep up the war than stuff that we do. Fundamentally, they're shooting themselves in the foot, you know, forcing the Russian people into a war they may or may not really care about. Well, yeah, but we can we can add to their logistical nightmare by giving by pushing mm -hmm. more javelin missiles over there and just destroying armored units all over the place willy nilly. I mean, in in a sense, there's no way other than you know carpet bombing every inch of every square foot. When you've got you know twenty six year old moms of two with javelin missiles in their house and other armaments, etc. That's a tough place to be an occupying army when everybody is the potential opposition, armed opposition. Mm -hmm. It's a tough thing. Back to Jen Psaki. Uh, the president said back in February that the U.S. would respond forcefully if Americans were targeted in Ukraine. Uh, Brett Renaud was killed over the weekend. One of my colleagues was injured today. We're still waiting to hear if he's okay. So what is that response going to look like? Let it's me guess. Is the response not going to be as forceful as promised? I don't have the response. I just have the question. Uh, maybe I do have the response. We'll see. I'll, I'll scroll down here. It's kind of a bleep-eating question because they're, they're war correspondents covering the war. Mm -hmm. That said, they may have been targeted because they're press and we've seen some of this, certainly. But yeah. regardless, here we go. Here's the response. The president said back in February that the U.S. would respond forcefully if Americans were targeted in Ukraine. Uh, Brett Renaud was killed over the weekend. One of my colleagues was injured today. We're still waiting to hear if he's okay. So what is that response going to look like? Well, let me first say, uh, your colleague Benjamin Hall, I know there's not final reports yet, or we would wait for your news organization to confirm those, but uh, our thoughts, the President's thoughts, our administration's thoughts are with him, his family, and all of you at Fox News as well. Uh, in terms of specific actions, I think you have uh, seen uh, the President uh, lead the world in taking, uh, putting in place consequence consequences, putting in place uh, repercussions and steps uh, in response to the actions of, of Russia, the brutal actions that have certainly impacted uh, Ukrainian people uh, and now have certainly impacted some Americans. But in terms of next steps or what the next consequence would be, I don't have anything to preview for you at this point in time. But we've seen the president been so far unwilling to draw a red line on the kinds of atrocities that we're going to watch from the sidelines. But we've seen maternity wards being bombed, uh, illegal weapons being used, pediatric hospitals being targeted. Um, President Obama drew the red line for Syria at chemical weapons. So is there any thought process about what we're willing to watch happen? Well, this? Jackie, I think it's important to reiterate as often as we can that what we're seeing is horrific, what we're seeing is barbaric, and the steps that the president has taken and led the world in taking have essentially led the Russian financial system to be on the brink of collapse. Uh, we have provided more military assistance to the Ukrainian military and the Ukrainian government than any other country in the world and more historic assistance than any other year to Ukraine in history. And we're doing that so that we can support them in this difficult moment. So I would say that uh, at this moment in time, we have been hardly on the sidelines. We have been leading this effort around the world to respond to every step and every escalatory step that President Putin and the Russians are taking. <clears throat> A couple things on this. One, um, I think it was 
it's rather cagey and bright of the administration in Saki not to say a red line thing. Obviously, don't put yourself in that position politically. Don't do that. I don't know if we know that we have the resolve to uh, uphold a red line. Uphold a red line. So you don't do that. You don't. It's 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 also just politically not smart to do that. It's stupid. Yeah, it, the unless... red line thing got Obama in trouble. By the way, exactly, exactly. Two, I don't mind her being cagey here when uh, not that I think that they have a clear plan it's very difficult for a good administration because we're kind we're trying to kind of have a war but not have a war but kind of facilitate a war but not facilitate a war right especially now that you're already in the position right these things are much easier to prevent in advance than to deal with after the fact right so it's on now so it's a but I do remember, you know, hearing all the pressures in Afghanistan and then Iraq with the media using the fact that the administration is trying to hide its, keep its cards close to its vest, meanwhile pacify the media with a modicum of truth. So I know that they're, they're easy targets. And I empathize a little bit with this administration for being, for having to... Do a delicate dance here, right? Because they're kind of in a no-win situation. Right, and the at press knows point. that they're, but that they've that they've got them against the wall here. They know that it's right. an easy one. Um, that said, I do think that I do think that if we're not doing it, we need to um, because it's decide. That's what we've decided to do. I think that we do need to make sure. And I think it's happening. I think I'm not sure. Um, I my hope is this: is that things like the Polish planes mm-hmm. are. This is almost a distraction, so the Russians will watch us go back and forth about Polish planes and planes and planes and planes, and planes, 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 planes and meanwhile we're training uh, Ukrainians on missile platforms, on Patriot missiles, on the javelins, etc. And those are all going in. Hopefully, that's happening. Kind of Allah, I guess, Afghanistan. Um, hopefully, it's happening. Happening. That said, you know, Putin did fire some missiles fairly close to Poland, ten miles away. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's testing us, obviously. Sure. And I think that, like, kind of not paying too much attention if you hit some American journalists here and there is also testing us in a way. Hmm. Yeah. No and, doubt I, about. and I think that, you know, whether you make a red line comment or you don't make a red line comment, the lack of sort of the just lack of response in general, really, to this stuff that's clearly boundary pushing, just like the lack of response to the Iran missile thing that's clearly boundary pushing, you know, that, that it's sending a message that the administration isn't going to do anything about this stuff, you right. know, the. There's no, the sanctions and stuff, like, she can say, well, we've already crushed the Russian economy. Like, okay, but that was before American journalists were killed. So that's obviously not sending a message because they did something to American journalists, right? So, and, I mean, I don't know. Saki, of course, because she's a professional, was, you know, said the right things about the Fox News journalist who was injured. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of people on Twitter who were less kind about the fox news journalists getting killed mm-hmm. like they're also just as willing to side with putin <laughs> if it means like siding against republicans oh, well, right well so, and, and that's like, precisely because of 
folks like Saki have been essentially right. calling Fox News collusion. Right, right. So if you like look through, like Oliver Darcy tweeted about this Fox News journalist, Benjamin Hall, who's injured and like condition unknown as far as I think we know so far still. Um, but the co- and you go through the comments, it's dangerous to pal around with Russian troops on the front lines, says one person. <laughs> wow, Russia didn't bother to worry about who they were hurting? Maybe Fox might want to stop rooting for them. Didn't you tell them you're on the side of Putin? Says someone else. Oh, Couldn't he just have done his Russian propaganda reports from Moscow? They go on. Death cults happily celebrate their members dying. They have no capability to mourn. Was he doing an interview on how Democrats mix the blood of children with honey and serve to the death panels that will kill your grandmother? Says someone else. So this is, you know, they just go on and on. Indiscriminate shooting of one of their own. You cut off the part where it says we're still pro-Putin. Like, I mean, it's kind of, um, it's interesting because Democrats are quick to say that, like, Republicans are dividing the country. But they're the first people to turn around and tell you that you're somehow also not human. Like, you're not allowed to have a different opinion. Like, if you, and that's really just because... Fox News has some hosts that cast some doubt on some of the stuff the administration said, called out some of the biolab stuff. Mm-hmm. Mitt Romney called Tulsi Gabbard treasonous. We're going to play that in just day. a moment. We're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. And of course, at the same time, the biolab stuff has been absolutely she, proven true. Right. I mean, she didn't say anything that right. wasn't said by administration so let's, officials. We'll go to that now then. I was going to hit Saki with another thing about gas, but let's go right to that now. Here is the, the place I go to, the. Um, Oracle of wisdom I go to every day for the such issues is the view. So let's go. Oh, to- and look, I, I, but I think that's an incredibly relevant question. Yeah. And I think DOJ, in the same way that it is uh, setting up a task force to investigate oligarchs, should look into people who are Russian propagandists and shilling for Putin. That's being, if you are a foreign asset uh, to a dictator, mm-hmm. it should be investigated. In fact, I remember when Tulsi Gabbard, mm-hmm. and I even hate that we're discussing it because I think to myself, who is this woman? She's a, you know, she's no longer in Congress. She's a failed presidential candidate. She only practically exists on Twitter. And the fact that we're giving her oxygen is what makes her relevant, that we're talking about her on hot topics. But on the other hand, how do you not Isn't Tulsi a woman of color? I don't understand. I would say so. Why is this this happening? She's a good Democrat, too. ...out something that is repeating Mm -hmm. false Russian propaganda that has been brought down. They used to arrest people for doing stuff like this. If they thought you were uh, colluding with a Russian agent, if they thought you were putting out information or taking information and handing over to Russia, they used to actually investigate stuff like this. And I guess now... Wait, are are Democrats in favor of, like, McCarthyism now? Yeah, it's a callback to precisely, yes, absolutely. We need a blacklist (laughs) in Hollywood. As People fact, who are too yes. pro-Russian. Oh, I see. There seems to be no bars. And people are not being told to hate Putin. Putin doesn't need a reason to be hated. It's pretty much clear. He started a war. He started a, a, an unnecessary but war this is kind that of nobody like, wanted. Isn't this pr- contributing to the death at all? Well, uh, you know, they were calling Tulsi Gabbard a... A foreign asset? Yes. Hillary called her that a few years ago. Anyway, but also Tulsi Gabbard, Gabbard took issue with these biomed labs that are there, which the American government has voiced concern about the weapons could be, or, or the, not the weapons, right. the whatever that's in there could be used, weaponized. Right. Tori Newland said, 
we're worried that the Russians are going to take these biomedical research facilities or however clever way she put it to avoid saying the word biolabs, which is now toxic. But it's just incredible because, you know, if, if for however you define it, there's some kind of research facilities there that we don't want the Russians to get a hold of. That, that much is clear from the administration itself. And for other people to voice concern about this, like, what is this? How could this happen? Why are there these research facilities that we're worried about the Russians getting? And why did we have them sitting right by Russia to start with? Like, what is any of this? Like, the fact that you're then branded a Russian agent who's colluding with a genocidal <clears throat> dictator is kind of incredible. I'm not sure actually what's more incredible, the fact that like anti-Putin dissidents who just happen to be Russian in the United States are getting blacklisted for just being Russian, even if they don't like Putin, or that people who simply like question our own administration are accused of somehow like being in favor of Putin. I, it's funny because I mean, like, I feel like you could say we talked about the bio lab stuff, right? Sure. And I don't think I've said a positive thing about Putin on this show. If anything, I've been a lot more negative about Putin than some people. I, it's, it's just incredible to me how, like, the free association on the left, it's like, you know, how many degrees of separation do you have to have from Putin until you're one of the people that it's okay to put in camps, like Tulsi Gabbard, or one of the people that it's okay to, like, not be sorry if they actually get shot by Russians? Like, Russians can attack an American journalist, but if he wasn't sufficiently parroting the party line on biolabs, or if people that he simply worked at a TV station with were not sufficiently excited about what the administration was saying about biolabs, if you're not, like, fully on board with everything Jen Psaki says, then somehow, like, it's fine if the Russians kill you. Sorry about that. But this is what I want to bring on to you as the extension of what you're saying is, you know, Saki, they had that uh, Twitter thing the other day. I'm uh, sorry, um, TikTok thing the other day where the, the, the TikTokers got their own Zoom call, TikTok influencers mm -hmm. from Saki. Yeah, just like they did for the vaccine. Right. So Ellie Zoyleg uh, was TikToker. Actually, I listened to a bunch of it today, too. Mm -hmm. There was no great takeaways, but it was essentially the administration giving a course on their views, their bullet points, their data points, their mm -hmm. own opinion on all of the issues of the day. And these TikTok influencers, because the pre Miss President Nice, Miss President Red Hair, Miss, Miss Press Secretary Red Hair, and Kamala, be Kamala being a first, and Joe Biden being the president, and not Trump. Well, we just took everything down, and it was re-disseminated by, did you see this young lady, uh, Eliza, whatever? Anyway, this is her saying almost word for word what Saki said. Why is gas so expensive and why is the United States inflation rate at a four-time decade high? I had the opportunity to ask the White House why gas down the street is $7 and here's what they said. The obvious reason, we are getting out of a two-year pandemic when use goes up, price goes up. But the call was predominantly about Ukraine and Russia, so how does that relate? Russia is one of the top three producers of oil and it is actually their number one revenue source. Now, with Putin starting this horrific fight between Ukraine and Russia, nobody wants to work with him and do an international trade. So, with people being scared of war and limited resources, prices are bound to go up as well. For the people who can't pay $7 for a gallon of gas, there's an app called Gas Buddy that shows you the cheapest gas near you. 
as well as a link in my bio to donate to the misplaced refugees of Ukraine. So, what do you think I think of Elia Zeigel? You think she's attractive? Yes. I can't. I didn't even see the video of her, and I know she absolutely is. She seems like face. a girl who went to USC and who got good grades because she did just that. <laughs> Repeated back what the teacher uh, exactly. told her to repeat back. Uh huh. Exactly. And and obviously I love her, but 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 um, how is this? By the way, and I'm stealing this from Twitter. How is this not a paid in kind contribution to the administration? Of course. They're they bringing are. these influencers in, downloading the policies of the administration, talking points into their heads, and then sending them out. Right. <laughs> right. And we pay for it in most cases. I mean, I think I was reading that in one of these COVID bills, there was like $75,000 a pop to TikTok influencers for uh, like talking about how great the vaccine was and how people should get the vaccine. So all those like little TikTok songs about how hot Fauci is and how they're so excited to be vaccinated and stuff. Um, you and I paid $75,000 to TikTok influencers each to do stuff like that because that's, you know, considered public health spending if we pay idiotic Gen Zers with large TikTok followings to talk about how great the vaccine is, which is insane. Like, why does our money go to stuff like that? It's so crazy. And then they're going to tell us that that was like public health spending that was important COVID spending that they had to do. It's ridiculous. But um, yeah, one small, tiny piece of good news is, did you see the Mansion stuff today? No. Mansion has thwarted yet another of the administration's goals. I mean, maybe not permanently. They could still get a Republican on board. But um, they had their uh, nominee for the Federal Reserve. Mm -hmm. And uh, Manchin has said he's not voting for her now. Ooh. Because among other reasons, she's an activist who thinks that the Fed needs to use their power to uh, get rid of fossil fuels. Ah, well, there you go. So, and unfortunately for the Biden administration, Joe Manchin comes from a state where right. the production of certain fossil fuels happens to be a major part of the economy. And um, he's unwilling to, to accept that in the nominee. I mean, so... They're still saying that potentially they could get a Republican on board. They're looking to see if they can, um, you know, find somebody. But obviously the the lefties on Twitter are all upset about this. No lie with Brian Tyler Cohen, who's some kind of... Do you know what he is even? No. He has a podcast covering top stories and interviews with the biggest names in politics. Uh, he goes, Justin, Joe Manchin says he will vote against one of President Biden's Federal Reserve nominees, Sarah Bloom Raskin, a qualified progressive with a strong track record of holding big banks accountable. He says his opposition is because of her support for clean energy. And then he goes on, gaining one more Senate seat in November makes Manchin irrelevant. Gaining two more makes cinema irrelevant, too. If you can, please donate to help the organizers who are registering voters, blah, 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 and tries to get people involved. But... It is crazy that they somehow think that with the way the world is going right now and with Biden's popularity and all this stuff, that they're going to gain seats in November. Because I, too, want to make Joe Manchin irrelevant, but I want to make him irrelevant by electing 10 more Republicans in November, which I think is probably more likely than the alternative. I mean, this whole thing, their whole 50-50 quote majority that they have was always was always that was like the 
best they could ever have hoped for, that majority in the Senate. And they're making it worse right now. Do they think they're going to win a seat in Georgia this November? Uh, I mean, hopefully they don't. It matters. As long as Trump can't ruin it. Uh, so here's um, Max Blumenthal, Alice. Mm-hmm. This is this is the media. Remember they used to afflict the powerful and um, power of the afflicted? What do they do? Um, I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah, right. So you afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Exactly. Tell me this. He's the editor of the Gray Zone News. Yada yada yada. He's got two hundred eighty-eight thousand mm-hmm. followers. He says, contrary to Tucker Carlson's treasonous claims, mm-hmm. U.S. biological research is he labs, one of the people we're allowed to put in camps? By the way, I don't know. What do you, oh, what because do you, he's treasonous and a, Russia, a foreign asset. Of course he is. Oh, okay, just check. so he says. Contrary to Tucker Carlson's treasonous claims. U.S. Biological Research Labs in the vibrant democracy of Ukraine. <laughs> vibrant democracy. Here we what? go. I'll start again. Contrary to Tucker Carlson's treasonous claims, U.S. Biological Research Labs in the vibrant democracy of Ukraine have a completely legitimate purpose, just oh. like Hunter Biden's job. We asked several current and former U.S. government officials, and that is what they told our news org. Wait, did they also ask... Officials about Hunter Biden's job and how legit yep. it was because I know very few crackheads on the boards of like foreign energy companies. Do you, Alice? How many? We they had okay. a completely. Once again, you're not getting this. Contrary to Tucker Carlson's treasonous claims, mm-hmm. U.S. biological research labs in the vibrant democracy of Ukraine uh-huh. have a completely. <laughs> this is an editor writing this have a complete it's complete have a completely legitimate purpose we look Wait, we what? looked at all of the criteria that make something totally completely legit legitimate and they met all of them wait i have a question though mm-hmm. i thought there weren't any bio labs you're <laughs> it, that's disinformation i thought no Chucky right. told me it was disinformation that there were biolabs. She said yes. biolabs as a concept had been debunked start to finish. They didn't well, exist. Well, Max Blumenthal asked several current and former U.S. government officials, and that's what they told our news org. They asked some current and former so bio- government officials, oh. and that's what they said. The so, government said everything's okay. Well, so do biolabs not exist, or are they great and vibrant? Democratic institutions of the great vibrant democracy. Saying of there are United States owned and run biological weapon facilities, Alice, is Russian disinformation. Putin. That's it. That's what you're that's what you're saying. That's the answer. But I thought you just said that they were good. Saying that Russian biological weapons facilities I mean Ukrainian biological weapons facilities in the Ukraine that are run by Americans were, that we're going to use to drop yellow cake on on our enemies, that's not true. That's Russian disinformation. So, Ask so me what if are there the are thing- biological research firms in Ukraine. Are there biological research facilities in Ukraine? No, there are not American-run and owned bioweapons facilities in Ukraine. Hmm. You see? And to say that is Russian propaganda. And, in fact, treasonous. Correct. And they used to lock people up for things like that. Why can't we have that again? Asks Joy Behar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Anna Navarro. I forgot who said what on that one. But but yeah, I mean, like, the it, the whole thing is 
a little odd. Do you not think so? Yes, and yeah, I would think it's a little odd that we're denying that we have biolabs in Ukraine, and at the same time, we're affirming that we have biolabs in Ukraine, and we have to look out because the Russians could use them against us. And having biolabs is actually good, too, and very important. Right. As so, a part of a vibrant so, democracy. Yes, so now it makes okay. me wonder, who is of the liars is the lyingest liar? <laughs> really? It's really bad. It's really bad. It honestly like makes me want to wash my hands of the whole thing, because they're so terrible. And they're just, it, you, it's true. They're just lying start to finish. There's no, there's no consistency in the story there. And it's, it's really um, kind of like bold in a way. Like they just, on the one hand, will absolutely tell you there's no such thing as biolabs. That's totally Russian disinformation. And then they'll turn around and tell you that biolabs are great actually. And Ukraine has tons of them because they're a vibrant democracy. And that's awesome. So... Which is, it's a little, I mean, it's like many of the COVID things, honestly. It's like the the stuff about, you know, the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which absolutely had nothing to do with the spread of COVID. And they absolutely were not doing any gain-of-function research, except right. for the gain-of-function research they were doing, which was really good gain-of-function research, and how dare you question it, or possibly say that anybody in the administration lied about anything when they told you there was absolutely no gain-of-function research. I mean, it's the the fact that it's so lazy and that they don't care to like clean up the sloppy web of half truths and outright lies and and spin on all of it. Really, it's it's impressive because a lot of the American people are totally willing to take that. As, right? Did I pay, play the Randy Sherman stuff from last night for, with Brett Bear? I don't think so. With the about the attack in Iran, attack in Iraq by Iran. Um, not when I was there, anyway. I don't okay, know. so maybe we didn't. Okay, but I'll I'll play it. Now. Unless you played it before Michael Yon. Uh, maybe I did, but I'm gonna play it again because it goes right in with what we're talking about. So we say Brett Bear says, okay, so the Iranians just attacked an American facility in Iran, Iraq. Um. And they've taken credit for it. What do you say? Is there going to be a response? Uh, this was a very concerning attack, as General Keene pointed out. Uh, indeed, uh, we do not believe that the consulate was actually the target of this uh, missile attack. They attacked the consulate with 12 missiles. Target or not, they said they wanted to shoot the consulate. Right. They said Maybe that. we did talk about this. Okay, know. I think we, we did. But still, it's like the, the gaslighting is incredible. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. So this, I just want to play this because I don't know if we played this just like this yesterday. But anyway, it, to me, it, it means so much. This was an attack on Iraq's sovereignty, among yeah. other things, and of great concern to all of us. Obviously, we will be following this closely. We have U.S. Okay. personnel uh, there who work and live there. And as you mentioned, no, no casualties as of yet that we've heard of. But at the same time, the U.S. is closing in on this nuclear deal with Iran. Is that true? Is it close? Well, I think it's close, and we would like all of the parties, including Russia, which has indicated it's got some concerns, to bring this to a close. You know, we are very concerned about what Iran is doing, but imagine these Iranians with a nuclear weapon. Uh, we need to get that off the table so we can address their malign behavior in the Middle East. So wait a second. Imagine the Iranians with a nuclear weapon. Well, imagine the Iranians shooting 12 missiles at our consulate. How about we imagine that? Mm. 
Isn't that something to imagine and address now? Yeah, it seems like they're not people that you want to be making a deal with. But but, but why are we looking to the the future and saying, imagine they get nukes, imagine they... Well, that's fine. But right now, they've shot a bunch of missiles at us. Can we do something there? Can we do... Can somebody <laughs> in this administration pretend that they have colonies and fire a fucking missile at these freaking MFers? Can we do that? No. How about we imagine we put a missile into Tehran? Why don't we imagine that? I would like to see that imagined. No. I think they that don't be have that idea. type of imagination. Jeez. No, they don't have that. Trump has that. Trump has that. Maybe other people do. Maybe Ron DeSantis or some other people. Um, I would like to switch gears a bit. Please. Um, because we've been talking all this heavy stuff and foreign affairs, but also, um, I don't know if you were aware, but there was, uh, the Critics' Choice Award last night at, in, um, in LA or well, wherever I, they I, have I, the I Critics' Choice Award. I voted Alice, I don't know, I assume you were watching yes, I was watching. rapidly, but, uh, a, a hate crime occurred, uh, when director Jane Campion, uh, won an award for directing the movie The Power of the Dog. Have you seen the piece? No. Was it um is it a canine centric? Um Have <laughs> I seen the piece? Jesus. No, no. I was cutting myself, Alice, as I do as an alternative to watching any movie. Uh-huh. Um so the New Zealand filmmaker when I uh was she was getting the award for this during Sunday's ceremony? She said it was an honor to be in a room with the Williams sisters, Serena and Venus Williams, who mm -hmm. were there because there's this like movie about their dad or yes. whatever that exists. And she said, And you know, Serena and Venus, you are such marvels. However, you do not play against the guys like I have to. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. <clears throat> so she has now since apologized. Oh, come on. Why? She's apologized and uh, said in her apology, the fact is that the Williams sisters have actually squared off against men on the court and off. And they have both raised the bar and opened doors for what is possible for Does women that mean in they this won, world. I assume? Oh, they must have won. The last thing I would ever want to do is minimize remarkable women. I love Serena and Venus. Their accomplishments are titanic and inspiring. Serena and Venus, I apologize and completely celebrate you. You can't even have a positive uplifting speech that's based on truth anymore in case it brings something sensitive okay that's fine I and mean, this mm -hmm. is the only chance we have for wokeism is that it, it that it uh it eats itself so. so she's very sorry she's very sorry she says the fact uh she said i made a thoughtless comment equating what i do in the film world with all that serena williams and venus williams have achieved she said in a statement Provided to the LA what Times. What bullshit? I mean, God, why? Why? <laughs> so God, is it that important to hang out with these gross people? Is it that important? Yes, yes. That's oh. all she cares. She can't believe it. She really loves Venus and Serena Williams, which is why she said that initially and thought she made a little lighthearted joke. And, um, and there was immediate backlash and she had to be very sorry and cower and grovel oh. and apologize for how she had demeaned their uh, great accomplishments which i believe they're tennis players are they not <clears throat> yeah so that's great but that's like they're athletes right 
Yeah, but and, I mean, and they're also not the best in the world, so that's fine. They're fine. They're tennis They're best I for mean, girls. They're good. <laughs> it's true, right? I mean, Novak Djokovic could probably beat them. It's true. Right. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, Burn Barrel Podcast.com. You can write us an email, Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. I apologize. We do have some emails that I do want to get to. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. We'll Let's do it do tomorrow. Some, uh, mailbag emails. Let's uh, do it. Sorry. So if you want to get yours in, write us an email, Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, listen wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.